a three-time sports editor, former online and managing editor, and host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it, welcome to it, welcome to it. It is 10 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, so you guys know what time it is. It's time for Talk That Talk. Celine, can you do me a huge favor? Can you grab me my water, please? I'll have to back there. Um, Once again... I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio t- to my left, my guy, Mr. Sure Thing, Tyler Sure, as always, and you guys just heard me, I just went ahead and summons him, my guy, he always saves the day, this is Salim Dweck, yeah. our Florida man fact checker, checking in, uh, we're back at home, guys. Yeah, it was weird being over, uh, being over there. It was cool, but you know. Most definitely, it was fun. Uh, so if you guys are just kind of tuning in for what we, what we, or if you guys are unfamiliar with what we're talking about, once again, this is Talk That Talk Radio Show. We record twice a week from the beautiful Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. And as a matter of fact, let me break that down for you guys. Talk That Talk Radio Show records live from the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino, from the largest super book in the world for over fifty years. Formerly known as the largest hotel in the world for nearly a decade, the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino is located at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. And uh, once again, Sunday. Sunday we were recording from the stage over by the poker room. Shout to Sam Gordon, uh, Minnesota's own, courtesy of the Las Vegas Review Journal, of course. And Sam was on the show with us. We had our speaker set up. Um, we even had an Oklahoma State fan stop by and, and talk some basketball with us. Um, <laughs> most definitely. Now, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But it was a little different. Um, not being, like I said, at home, being in our, in our, in our normal digs in the clubhouse. But um, it was a new environment for us. And it's something that we were eventually going to branch out and do anyway. Um, kind of good to have your hand forced a little early because it, it shows you if you're ready or not. So, absolutely. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I appreciate you guys. Shout out to Kobe Rich as always, of course. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. I don't think my dad sent me his tip ins yet. We'll see if he does get uh, those to me before the show uh, closes out. But my mom did send me hers. Do I have two of them? Yeah, I, I, I think we read both of these. The positive thinker sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. The positive thinker sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. The second one that she has is only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. I'm going to read that one more time. Only those who dare to fail greatly can never achieve greatly. So thank you again for those. I'm very, very appreciative for my parents for sending their tip-ins. Um, unfortunately, I feel like we've done this a decent amount <clears throat> Excuse me. over the last year, perhaps year plus. But we're starting another show with a rest in peace. Uh, we're starting it this time around for, or we're starting it this way this time around for Hall of Famer Elgin Baylor, who passed away on Monday of natural causes. Um, where were you guys when you guys got the news? 
I think if you guys have listened to the show, you know you guys know I drive for Postmates. So I was driving, I'm pretty sure, and I was at a red light. I couldn't believe it actually, just because I didn't actually realize Elgin was that. I mean, he's 86. You know, rest in peace. He was a great man, great player, ahead of his time. If you guys have some time, go back and uh, watch. There's a bunch of highlights from him on YouTube. That was special. What about you? Very sad. Yeah, man. Um, this week, um, I kind of humbled myself. I really didn't know much about Elgin, man. I know he was um, one of like the first, you know, like for first like players to like kind of break the, you know, break the color line, break the color code in the NBA. Um, so I did some research and I, um, I listened to a few um, excerpts from, you know, individuals in the NBA that have knowledge and who watched him and who covered him and um, worked worked with him when he was a part of the Clippers front office. Right. And um, yeah, man, just some really powerful stuff. Um, Average thirty eight nineteen out the gate, which is just excuse my language. That's fucking ridiculous. That is absurd. Sick. That's a sick man. Just um, and I think the I think another thing is. Um, <clears throat> You know, the year he retired, he retired a couple weeks into the season because he had the dignity to retire um, because he was, at that point he was older, his body was breaking down, and this was past the knee surgeries he had. And the Lakers, he realized he was holding the team back. And to do that, that speaks a lot about who Elgin Baylor was. Um, that's the year they, I didn't know this, they broke the NBA record and stole a record of 33 straight games. and. Pretty sure they went on. I think they went went on to win it all that year. They but, did. Yeah, man. Just um, just or I think it was seventy two when he retired. Okay, all right. Hey, come come on with it, then, Mister Shirt Thing. What else you got? Yeah, man. But no, just uh, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor. Um, it was uh, this week's been like, it, it was it was a really humbling experience to kind of learn about like one of the NBA legends. You know, we talk we talk so much about um. Kind of when you read his story and what he's gone through, it kind of makes you look at some of the players today, and you're like, man, you think you, these guys think they have it hard? I right. Don't want to hear shit about it. Like, so I shout out to El Jamela, rest in peace. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, we 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 kind of just talked about it. I mean, we in today's day and age, and just, let me ask you before I even get into this. Uh, Salim actually brought up a point when he said in case you are unfamiliar with who Elgin Baylor is He said there's a lot of highlights out there uh, Josiah Johnson on Twitter did a nice breakdown of who Elgin Baylor was in a I want to say maybe two minutes Maybe two minutes and uh, hit on pretty much. I don't want to say every topic, but hit on a lot of good topics um, But Tyler just mentioned something that caught my attention and yes, I think that is one thing that you and me actually got in here, we were talking about Juneteenth when we first kind of uh, got into the clubhouse. And last year for Juneteenth, we did our 12-hour blackout at KUNV. Uh, got over 30,000 listeners. Um, just the average listener listened for 45 minutes, which our segments were only an hour. So including commercial breaks and things of that. Well, we didn't really do commercial breaks, but considering... Um, uh, transitions at the hour and things of that nature to have a listener, an average listener for 45 minutes it, it, that, that, that meant something. So I say all of that to say I think when people see the fight continuing they think that like you said, it's just a constant complaining because of um, how far we have come. 
And I think because we don't vocalize how far we have come doesn't mean that we do not understand that we have come further than where we were. Because you just mentioned it before, the things that Elgin Baylor, that Bill Russell, that, you know what I mean, that Jackie Robinson, and we can continue to go through it. We talked about Willie Mays, we talked about Hank Aaron, we talked about Arthur Ashe. We can continue to just go across, and I just named what, we, we just did three different sports. And while those stories are not the same, today's athlete is dealing with a different type of parallel. So I think that is important to mention. Um Especially when considering those fights and considering the things. I mean, when you hear some of the stuff that Bill Russell, not trying to take away from Elgin Baylor um, in in his moment right now, but when you hear some of those stories from uh, Bill Russell, it's just like, who who would even want to play in in that type of uh, environment? So, again, if you guys are unfamiliar, Elgin Baylor was an 11-time All-Star, a former Rookie of the Year. That same season, he won Rookie of the Year. He was the All-Star Game MVP. He averaged 27.4 points per game and 13.5 rebounds per game for his career. I have to look it up, but I believe he had a season where he averaged like 20 rebounds a game. I think it was 38-19, something like that. Let me look it up right now. Cause I know he was like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Are you going back to your theory of back then pe- people had day jobs, so it's <laughs> a little. The biggest thing back then. Granted, you play your competition. We're not saying the that, the, that the numbers then, are skewed by no means. You have to look. The pace was extremely high. Like it was even higher than in today's game, which is much higher than it was twenty years ago. Right. That's not to say Elgin and Wilt and. Bill Russell and Oscar Rutt, these guys weren't amazing, they were. Like, the numbers, we do have to realize, you know, the pace was a lot. I mean, these guys, and it's fun. Like, if you guys want to go back and watch those, I'd rather watch, I'll say it right now, Salim is putting it down right now. I'm going to disagree with you probably, just because. I'd rather watch 1960s and early 1970s basketball than I would 1990s basketball. That's interesting. And I'll tell you why. People can talk about, you know, back then in the 90s, things were tough. Look, if you guys go back and watch those bad boy Pistons, they weren't good defenders. You know what they were? Maulers. They were maulers. They didn't know how to play (laughs) basketball. That's not skill. Hey, that's a skill. Uh, <laughs> beating, beating people up, like... That's a skill. Jordan was 6'6", 200 pounds. He gained 15 pounds of muscle and he destroyed them. Like, don't talk to me about Bill Lambeer. Guys are scrub. All these guys... <laughs> Shout out to our Aces coach. Anyway, uh, I'd rather watch Jerry West and the Big O than, like, Bill Lambeer. See, but the, the same way that you feel about that, I'm not, like... I'm going to let you get to your hot take. I don't think it's, like, the craziest thing that he actually says that. Only reason why is because I would much rather watch... And I know people look at me like I'm crazy. I would much rather watch... it. Forgive me, Pacer Nation. 2004 Detroit Piston basketball than anything in the 1990s. I would. Yeah. Watching the Pistons win 80-76 to 76 was, like, amazing to me as a child. On both ends of the floor, it was just beautiful basketball. That's just me. Especially, I, I think back to just early 2000s. Early and I could tell you, first of all, I could tell you every champion, every NBA champion from 2000 to now. But the idea of watching 
the Lakers three straight years, then seeing what Detroit did, then watching what um, what San Antonio did, watching Dwayne Wade's magical run, watching LeBron get all the way to the finals in, in 07 but still lose to a team that was just better at basketball. 2008, we see what the Celtics did to the Lakers. 2009, we see what, what Kobe did to Orlando. Yes, I said it that way on purpose, what Kobe did to Orlando. And then we close out the decade with Kobe getting number five against Boston in a, in a game seven. That 10-year gap for me, granted, I don't know how many other 10-year gaps I've lived through, but that 10-year gap is insane to me in terms of basketball. I mean, for me, my favorite time in basketball is the mid-2000s. I'm talking... So you're kind of with me. The 2004 and, like, that post-Jordan, and I mean, like, post-Bulls-Jordan, post-Bulls-Jordan, pre-LeBron making the playoffs, that era... So Kobe's era. (laughs) Pre-super teams. Tim Duncan... (laughs) No, because in 2006... Charles Barkley technically suited up next to Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah, yeah but they were old, those were old-ass players. I'm just, hey, fam. I'm just telling you what no, was like, on paper. Honestly, some of my favorite times watching basketball, like, besides the Heat when they had Shaq, was, like, the Phoenix Suns watching Nash. And oh, for Ohio. sure. With Tim Thomas? Baller. Like, Hooper. the Spurs at their, like... Actually, I wouldn't say their peak, because they actually peaked a little later, but just... that, that those, those were some of my favorite times. All right, before I'm we keep going... To- basketball, I love it today, too, um... I'm not going to say I don't love it today, but I have said, like, I I can't get with the fucking 130 to 115 games. I can't do it. Um, Before I continue with Elgin Baylor, give me your favorite uh, time of basketball real quick. Oh, man. Um, So I actually didn't really get started uh, getting into basketball until, like, 2013. Um, Okay. I just I was always an NFL kid. Like, I just loved the football growing up. And, and the Giants always... had you as a football kid? Okay, I'll leave it. Probably two Super Bowls. Yeah, so... Okay. <laughs> so anyways, I really didn't get to basketball until 2013. Um, I uh, I lashed on to Carmelo as my favorite player. I was like, yeah, let me follow the Knicks. Smart man. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so my first... Yeah, so my first year watching the Knicks, I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to watch. I'm going to try to watch games. And um, that was Mike Woodson's final year. It's when Phil Jackson took over, like, halfway through the year. Not as a coach, but as a, um, the executive and... Um, yeah, I mean, that was just a shitstorm, though. The Knicks, that was just ugly, though. That was just feed mellow and everyone get the hell out of there. <laughs> yes. I'll pray it's a bucket, but... Um, yes. So, I, I, I would say, though, from kind of the last seven years, um, nothing from the past three years, like that era, whatever. Kind of the, the 2015 and now, like though, okay. um, not at all. That wouldn't be my favorite. I'd probably say... I'd probably say late 2000s. I know I, I, that's the thing. I wasn't like watching night to night and mm-hmm. following and stuff like that. But I'd say late 2000s. Late 2000s? Yeah, I think that's when you had the era, you kind of had the an era kind of fading. And then you had a new era beginning. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I love it because thinking about, I think I was watching the 2010 Western Conference Finals, maybe Western Semis, when the Lakers were playing the Suns. And the Suns were like, I was listening to the way that they were talking about them. And they were like this new, like, fast-paced style of offense. Like, it's a run-and-gun, three-point shooting team. The Suns led the team, led the league in scoring this year. And I was like, oh, hell, what they lead the league with. It was like 111. I was like, that's yeah, it? Man. You know who coached the Suns right here? Mike D'Antoni. 
No, Alvin Gentry. Shout Alvin out to fucking Alvin Gentry. Gentry. Hey, coach, if you're listening to me, please follow me back on Instagram. He's not verified. Then there's like 3,000 followers. Please, coach, follow me back. I'd love to have some conversation with you. You know what's funny? Wait till the next summer league. Okay. I'm very, very serious. No, I'm just going to one of those. Fired because then Alvin's stepping in. Now, obviously, Alvin, I love you, but you'd like. Coaching the Kings, it's not fair. That I, it shouldn't be you. <laughs> you shouldn't have to. You, you shouldn't should have to get stuck with that job. Um, we're gonna talk about that, but now summer league. Uh, I've had multiple conversations with him. 2012, 2013 were great years. I'm not doing that. Um, speaking about uh, continuing with Elgin Baylor, he did make it to eight NBA Finals. Did not come away with one, but ju- like you just said, um, the year that he retired. When they went ahead and, and won it all, his team won it all. So we do, I, I guess we can say we do know, not even anticipate, but we do know that uh, Elgin Baylor would have gotten a ring um, had he remained on the team as a player. But he does still hold the um, NBA Finals record for points in the game with 61. And, of course, we already mentioned that he uh, at the Lakers won that title the year that he retired. But you mentioned something when he was in the front office. With the Clippers. Bless. Thank you. He was a GM for the Clippers under Donald Sterling. Continues to to speak to the career that he had, not only as a player, but as an executive. Um, I don't even have the energy today, or tonight rather, to go into Donald Sterling. If you are unfamiliar, please find your own Florida man fact checker. Um, what? No, I literally just told the the uh, listeners if they don't know who Donald Sterling is to find their own Florida man fact checker because I don't have the energy today. Yeah. Um, oh man. I do want to talk about. Uh, I I do have a that's out there now though. I don't know if I anticipated having a that's out there now, but something happened on Monday, <laughs> and I just can't. I don't know what you want me to do with it. So did you guys see the <laughs> billboard, the new billboard outside of Fenway? You know, we have baseball season starting up on uh, April 1st. And of course, we have our aviators a week after that on April 8th. Did you guys see that new billboard by Fenway? No, I have not, but I will look at it right now. Like, Please pull that up for me. <laughs> And then just turn the computer around and show Tyler, please. So, a billboard went up. And I'm going to make this so much worse than it has to be. But a billboard went up in Boston. That's number one. Across the street from Fenway Park. That's number two. What does it say? On top of Sal's... I'll read it right now. Thank you for making bets. That's exactly what it says. The third thing is that it happened that they put it on top of Sal's Pizza in Boston, across the street from Fenway Park. That's three no-nos, right? So Salim just said it. Salim, what does that billboard say in its entirety, please? Dear Boston, well, thank you for Mookie Betts. Sincerely, Dodgers fans and at Pantone two ninety four. So. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that Pantone. You are. Let me explain to you guys what Pantone two ninety four is. I have a huge smile on my face right now because I am very familiar with Pantone 294. Uh, when I told you guys I used to work for Dodgers Nation and I went to New York and I covered just 
September 11th weekend in New York when the Dodgers were playing the Yankees, I went out there with Pantone 294. So I know this group personally. I know Alexander Soto, the founder, the CEO, and the person who purchased that billboard. I have so many ways I want to take this, guys. The first thing I want to talk about is the fact that he said Dodger fans and Pantone 294. Let me explain to you guys what Pantone 294 is really quick. Pantone is a shade of blue. Take that back. Pantone is the color blue. 294 is the shade of blue. The combination of Pantone 294 is Dodger blue. Interesting. So, it's a fan group. It's a traveling fan group. I don't know if you guys watched it a couple of years ago, but maybe four years ago, maybe let's say five years ago. It was on ESPN. Uh... Every year or so, they travel to, a, to an away stadium. As I just said before, I went to New York. We're at Yankee Stadium. They have a huge Laker, or Laker, I don't know why I said Laker, Dodger banner, where once spread out in the audience, it covers about 20 rows. So imagine being in a home, in your home field, you're wearing pinstripes, you turn around in center field. Granted, the Yankees don't have a center field, but you get my point. You look out in right field, and you see a Dodger flag that's covering 20 rows. You don't even see the people anymore. So that's the type of the group, a group this is. They travel. They support their, uh, their team. Um, they go out and see the city, uh, sightsee, um, literally just take pictures. Like, it's all in fun. Literally trash talk the entire trip. You're just walking down the street in Dodger gear, talking to Yankee fans, Red Sox fans, whatever it is. So I know this group. Here's the issue that I think everybody is having, aside from the obvious one, the taunting. I want to talk about Dodger fans. Do you guys have an issue with the fact that he said Dodger fans and Pantone 294? Talk to me, Tyler. <laughs> no, I mean... Tyler doesn't see anything wrong with it. Tyler's like, no, I don't. What's your problem? Yeah, it's it's fine. I just think it's it's like funny. How many people are in Pantone? Oh man, since I've been out of it now, I couldn't tell you. But the group was rapidly growing when I was there. Rapidly growing. I'm not even gonna try to put a number to it. So you got something? Talk to me. I guess it's good that he separated. You know, his group from Dodgers fans, in a way, if they wanted to blame all the... I don't know. So, a lot of people were saying that because it's um, taunting and unnecessary and things of that nature, everybody is basically saying something that... I think that's kind of my point that I was trying to make when I talk about them being a traveling fan group. They'll do... um, They'll do... uh, They'll they'll try to get the the player... They'll try to get the attention of players... They'll try to just do various things to be integrated within the team, but the team does let it be known that they don't have anything to do with the fan group. Like, they'll wear a shirt that they make every now and again because of support, of course. They'll, um, I don't know, like a post, like a tweet, retweet some stuff every now and again, but they're not, like, a part of them. You, you guys get what I'm saying? They don't want to be held responsible for anything like that. So this billboard is one of them. 
And I'm guessing that the fans, because their team has said, hey, they don't speak for us. Fans are jumping out the window saying the very same thing. They don't speak for us. How do you – oh, go, talk to me. I was a, waiting. As a competitor, I mean, like – That's where I'd I'm be like, yeah, shit, you can speak for me. <laughs> if know? that's what you're going to say, go ahead. I'd be like, yeah, uh, check out my – you know, check out my championship ring. But at the same time, then Boston fans are like, all right, well, check out our three since 2010. What have you guys done? You know, so. And that's where, that's where I was going next. 32 years, you finally get a World Series, and then you start taunting. How does this look? Yeah, I mean, I'd be like, all right, that's cool. Uh, yeah, here's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, you, well, I mean it's, it's, it seems just like a harm, you know, harmless, I mean, maybe, I don't know. But um, I don't know. I wouldn't take too much offense to it. Kind of the same. Do you yeah, guys know how like, how long does a billboard stay up? Like, do you pay for, like, it to stay up longer? Because in Boston, I would just assume that they're just going to throw stuff at the billboard until it just comes down. Like, oh, someone's going to climb up on it. For spray, sure. Spray paint some stuff. For sure. It's, I don't expect Boston to just take that lightly. So here's the deal. This is the last thing I want to talk about really quick before we move into a little bit of local sports. Um... <laughs> I wish some Lakers fan would pull some punk ass shit like that. <laughs> drive, drive down to New Orleans and say thank you for Anthony Davis. I wish. You, I was about I to say, would, you I sound would, like you. Oh it's it's coming from a place of, of, of it's, it's a personal issue. I would, oh, I would drive down. I'd go, I'd fly down to New Orleans and join my fellow Pels. <laughs> oh, we, we would take one bow down to the next level. I'll tell you that right. We would do some. Woo. You guys would just find anybody wearing purple or gold and just. Oh my gosh. Is it, is it? Isn't like purple and though, gold yeah, like <laughs> part of the Mardi Gras colors? Oh, I was just about to say that. Oh, uh, you know, it is what it is. What happens now? All the beads. Um, all the beads have to be green now. All right. So, Carmen Sports. We believe that it exists, correct? Absolutely. If Carmen Sports exists, how many more years until the Dodgers win a World Series? Oh, uh, no, no, no. Okay, so I'll see. No, here's my thing. The Dodgers themselves, the team didn't, they didn't endorse that billboard, right? I haven't heard it. So then, no, I, that's not. Now, if the Dodgers Can you see if, they, if and, they've denounced it as well, though? They probably aren't. Th- well, I mean, I'm sure they're thankful for Mookie Betts, right? Yeah, but, like, they're not going to, like, unless they've, I don't, see, that's the thing. I don't keep track of these team social media pages and all that stuff. At all. I don't know what the relationship is like between the players that play on the Red Sox versus the Dodgers, but unless the Dodgers went out of their way like the players and like unless Mookie Betts was like sharing the billboard and putting out on his socials then no I'd be like yeah I mean no now like if he were and the players were like you know like like Max Muncy was like hey the F Boston bro like like he was doing shit like that yeah I'd say okay yeah that's karma but the fact that you know I don't think they are and that I, I think I think 2020 humbled a lot of a lot of professional athletes. Hmm. I think same more. Same more. I think twenty twenty humbled a ton of professional athletes. Not fans. Laker fans. I. You guys are not humble. I hate <laughs> At you. All. I hate you. So, like we'll get Kyle Lowry for Montrez Harrell and Kendall Horton took. Fuck no, no. Huh? huh? I, You're laughing, but I am. I'm very. I'm very much so. Like, those because they're gonna. Yeah. Yeah, dude. We'll get Andre Drummond in the buyout market. And that's a. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm laughing because I grew up in LA. So when everybody, oh, yeah. and when anybody looks at me and they're like, "Why are you a Pacer fan?" That exact reason. Yeah. That's the reason. Yeah. I hate that they won the championship. 
Yeah, I, lo- I might get petty. My whole thing is Mickey Mouse ring. Well, it wasn't Orlando, or it wasn't uh, Florida at least. Was it Orlando? It was right. Yeah. The bubble wasn't Orlando. I was like a day after Miami lost. I was like, whatever. But if we won, I wouldn't be like, yeah, no, this is amazing. Of course not. Oh I'm, yeah, there's I'm, no way. I'm a hypocrite. I don't care. Oh, I know. We all are kind of. Kind of is. I don't believe in sports karma because the Patriots exist. Good point. But see, I think that also Bill is the one. Bill's never been, you know, Bill Belichick's not going to the media and saying, "Yeah, we're going to kick their bills." Like, no, nah, it's true. I'm, I'm just saying, like, and the, the players have kind of taken after it too. Brady toward the end got a little cocky, but for the most yeah. part, they were. Just no, like, I don't mean like in terms of cocky. I mean like in terms of like that, that 20 year run, like cheating and being bad people overall. <laughs> <laughs> being bad people overall. I mean, so you, know, I, you guys know what I mean, but we're not going to take it there. That's beside the point, but. Uh, as a matter of fact, too, we can talk a little bit about, before we even move on from this, um, when I talk about Carmen in sports, I think it's also important to mention that Alex Verdugo and Kika Hernandez, former Dodgers, are wearing Boston Red Sox colors now. So, as quickly as you can say thank you for Mookie Betts, if the Boston Red Sox win it all, and Alex Verdugo and Kika Hernandez play even a minuscule part in it, I could see a thank you for Doogie and thank you for Kike. Billboard going up in LA. So I'm all, you guys know how I feel. I'm all for sports rivalries. I'm all for the banter, the back and forth. I'm never going to be against something like this. Now that would be awesome. I mean, and I'm sorry, uh, you know, to praise anything that comes from the city of Boston. Because I'd love to see that city get abolished. I like Larry Bird for whatever it's worth. Yeah, he's, he's all right. <laughs> for whatever it's worth, I'll take Larry Bird. Um, we have 30 minutes left in this first hour, and I know that this conversation is probably going to take us into this next hour. Celine. Yes. We did this show on Sunday. Right, we did. We said five names that were potential replacement candidates. We said... Mike Woodson, you mentioned him earlier. We mentioned Rick Pitino. We mentioned Kevin Kruger. We mentioned Mike Miller. And we mentioned Steve Lavin. If we did mention Kevin Kruger, I didn't hear. Kevin Kruger was the first one I think I mentioned. Um, But that was the five that I had written down at the very least. But Sam had just, I think that morning or the morning before, had just mentioned that Jason Kidd was perhaps interested in the job. Upon leaving, literally as you wrapped up the show, yeah, it was like five, seconds after you wrapped yeah, up the like show, five minutes maybe at most. UNLV announced that they hired Kevin Kruger as their next head coach. Kevin Kruger is like the name they give you when you're in the witness protection program, <laughs> and they just move you out to like Eastern Nebraska, and like. They just like that's your like Kevin Kruger. It's like Gene Takovich, bro. That's like <laughs> like like they give you a. That was actually like, funny. And, like FedEx. That was actually pretty funny. Mr. Kruger, like nobody, you that just have a very funny. average life. Nothing wrong with it. You drive like a sedan, like 2007, maybe. Does he have a special set of skills? No. No, he's just average in every way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. His kids are average. Oh, hey. 
I was just about to say, like, so I, I feel like no, that, that's exactly what happens. See, once you bring up, and clearly we're not talking about Kevin Kruger right now, but we're clearly talking about the special set of skills. You guys, get the, get, get the point. Stay along with the joke, guys. But um, anyway, UNLV announced that they have a new head coach in Kevin Kruger. We mentioned him as a potential replacement, but we didn't expect the answer, I don't believe, that quickly. Um, according to Tyler Bischoff, that search took 80 hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> Why is everybody laughing? Uh, I'm sorry. So prior to like about a minute and 25 seconds ago, I didn't know what Kevin Kruger looked like. Okay. And I Googled him and he looks kind of like my hypothesis was correct. In terms of um, the witness protection? Yeah. Oh, whatever. So, yeah. anyway, I have plenty to talk about in terms of the Kevin Kruger hire, which I think we're actually going to get into. Right. But I want to talk about TJ Osselberg still before um, we get off of this. <laughs> um Desiree Reed Francois said on ESPN Radio that she offered TJ Otzelberger an extension prior to him leaving for Iowa State. Is it too soon to ask why? No, I don't think it's too soon. So why did she offer him an extension with a 29 and 30 record? Some people get too comfortable average I don't want to sound like this guy but I'm guessing that based on what you guys are saying you guys would not have offered TJ that extension no, I so you would have just let him walk yeah I mean, but I mean they're gonna do it I'm not gonna repeat look, what I, I don't know Kevin, look I don't know Kevin Kruger I'm not gonna pretend I'm familiar with his coaching style right okay but I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. it's not a splash. That's what, and that's what a lot of people were saying. That it wasn't the big name. It wasn't even a recognizable name outside of his last name, which it being Kruger. Now, in case you guys are unfamiliar, I don't feel like we're doing this show a disservice by no means by not saying who his father is yet because Kevin Kruger is his own man. Um, but Kevin Kruger is the son of Oklahoma head coach Lon Kruger who formerly coached at UNLV, somebody who Kevin played under. He played for his father for one season, um, was a part of the team that made the Sweet 16. So here, here's what I want to talk about as well. Desiree Reed Francois said that she had, I believe, and I believe this is a quote from Adam Hill of the Review Journal, shout out to Adam Hill, that she had between 15 and 17 candidates in mind. Do you believe that? I mean, like, what is it to say about UNLV's men's basketball program anymore? You tell me. Like, what are we doing here? Can I just read what are out we doing? a Kevin Kruger fact? It's a, good, it. it's a good thing. Let's hear it. So, as you he, deem, know, he deems good facts probably not what we deem good facts. So Let's see as what we know, is. Kevin had a career uh, as a player also where he played for Napoli, he played for the Utah Jazz's former... D-League team, now the G-League, the Utah Flash. Yep. And he played for the Los Angeles Defenders. Absolutely. Now, 
may not know this, he had a career-high 35 points against the Reno Bighorns. That's right, Reno. On March I 1st, like that. 2009. That's his career-high against Reno. our state rivals. I'm, I like that, actually. So, I really like that as a fun fact. Someone's going to take that fact and use it to justify hiring a former <laughs> Good. They need, to, they need to hire. I mean, this guy. I swear to God. You're going to go on Twitter <laughs> comments. Someone's going to be like, oh, well, dude, he ever he scored 35. He scored 35. <laughs> And you're gonna be like, it was a great hire. But see, no, no. This is this is where I, this is where I'm telling you the the Reddit the Reddit comments would actually be, you know how UNLV fans are. He scored 35 against Reno, and then everybody would go back to Kevin's one year at UNR. I mean at UNLV and see his games against UNR and say he didn't score 35. And then that's when the next comment would be, oh, the, I'm I'm at the big ones. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that justifies the hiring. Additionally, I'm just telling you guys. In the 2011-2012 season in the FBS League, I need you to take uh, the mask off. I think because I'm not sure if we can hear you over here. Kevin Kruger played for Okapi Alstar. They won the Belgian Cup against the Antwerp Giants with 96 to 89 in overtime. A game. This is the championship game where Kevin scored 31 points. Give him a lifetime contract. If they don't give him a lifetime contract, I'm going to walk to you and i right now and have a very spirited discussion with everybody over there. That's the most I Everybody say. in the athletic department. Everybody. Anybody. In the athletic department. Just anybody who Anybody I see associated with the university. Janitor. I don't know. You're going to see anybody in UNLV red. Plaster his face on the stratosphere. <laughs> this guy is leading us to a 15 and 14 record next year. So... I, I'm happy that you said that. We're gonna talk about that too. Keep that in mind. Keep the number that, that you just said in mind. Um, Improvement. Just people. for <laughs> just for giggles. Who you guys think the other fifteen to seventeen candidates were? Anyone who's coached the Sacramento Kings, <laughs> the Charlotte Bobcats when they were a franchise. Rest in peace. Um, oh, Wyoming. God. Any form of Wyoming. <laughs> High school, middle school. Uh, in a mural. <laughs> probably a Silverado High School defensive coordinator in 2006. All right, all right, all right. Oh, my God. I'll cap it off. I'll cap it off. <laughs> Tony Sanchez's cousin. That was the coaching search. Oh, my gosh. I hope I'm never allowed on even on these campuses. <laughs> he said... <laughs> He started it by saying anybody who's ever coached for Sacramento, anybody, go get them all. Dave Yeager. Uh, shout out to Dave Yeager. I had a joke. Um, yeah, and if you if you're not gonna say it and you can't say it, then I mean, the there's no died. point to talk. Then there's no point to talk yeah. about it. Is my point. So um, Kevin mentioned that he was looking to bring stability. To the program, we've talked about 14 head coaches in 29 years. Um, 29 years ago, you you want to be banned from campus. You want to be banned from campus. I do. I do. If you're banned from campus, can you cover games? That shit. They'll hear about you. I'll let them know. I'll still be covering those damn games. That's hilarious. So... He said he's looking to bring stability to the program. He said this doesn't, this isn't a pitch stop job to him. First of all, even if it was a pitch stop job, would he admit it? See, I was going to ask you, Terrell, because you've covered UNLV for a long minute, dude. 
Does this ever just get repetitive hearing the same just bulletin board bullshit from all these coaches? Every introductory, it's the same. The, you could say TJ TJ said the exact same things that uh, Coach Kruger just said, and I'd, I'd buy it. I think he did, like verbatim. Like, I, I think with the exception of – or Desiree did it for him. But Desiree came out and said that – she wanted to hire a coach that could, similar to what Salim is going to say again, that can bring conference championships, NCAA tournament berths. And it's like, fam, why what, do you keep doing he, that? What has he shown to prove that he's capable? Well, has, has he coached anything before this? Or is he just. Don't answer that question. Do not answer it. Do not look it up because I know that answer. I know the answer. Okay. You know the answer? Yeah. Great. Don't look it up. I mean, don't answer it yet. Okay. Just wait. Let it simmer. Do I? Oh, I don't want to know the answer. Just let it simmer. Just let it simmer for a little bit. Just let it simmer. Just let it, let it, let it simmer. So once again, 14 head coaches in 29 years. Of course, 29 years ago, Jerry Tarkanian coached his last game at UNLV. Um, Shout out to L.A. I just saw that DeLon Wright was traded to the Kings today. Yeah. L.A.'s own. Um, Contract. Y'all ready for this? Mm -hmm. All right, this is fun. This is fun. We got 15 minutes left in this, and then we're going to get into... What, is, what do we have our second hour? We have March Madness in our second hour. We're going to talk uh, Sweet 16 matchups. We're going to talk some local news. We're going to talk the Golden Knights as well. That contract is five years. Anybody have a problem yet? I'm sorry. Kevin Kruger? Yes. Five, five years? <laughs> sorry, continue. Okay, so five years, $3.85 million. Pretty year just all together. Just scared me. Contracts. Did we just hand this guy fifteen million? Uh, it, <clears throat> oh no, you said. I'm sorry. Say it again. Was it per year or? No, total. Total. Uh, I did not hear that. I'm sorry. I said they would just give this. Uh, I mean, it ain't my so money. Cool. Shit. That'd be so cool. He said it's not my money. <laughs> so it was. I want to give you. It was very true. It kind of still is. Sadly. Um. So here's the deal. I want to give you guys something to reference before we even talk about that contract. All right. I'm going to give you guys the two contracts of the last two head coaches at UNLV. Y'all ready? Cool. So, TJ's deal. All of these, again, guys, are the numbers, not including incentives, things like that, right? right. Yeah, there ain't nothing to incentivize. Yes, because there's plenty of incentives in there. Births, championships, things, NCAA Based tournament births, things happen. like that. You and you and Al- hey you and you and Salim cannot like y- y'all need like a whole UNLV hate pod uh, and I might want to be a part of it. I love the history department. <laughs> they actually had a doesn't, it doesn't matter. They actually had a graduation. Um, TJ's contract was five years, six point five million dollars. That was obviously a very good decision. I would love to know. What that extension would have made that would have turned that contract into five years, and they're already talking about an extension after his second year of nothing. Year of man, that's just you know what? Good for TJ, man. You know, you're bad at your job, or at least average. And not only are you going to get offered an extension, more millions of dollars, now you get a job going to Iowa State or wherever the hell you're going. They went two and 20 22 this year, two and 22, sorry. And uh, just a, you're and back in the Big Twelve. I feel bad for them folks. They're settling for 
I mean, if they would like, like, I talked to Terrell, I mean, if they win five games next year, it's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> he made the team better. <laughs> Woo! Salute! For what it's worth, it's very true. And, um, he, yeah, not, you don't have to improve very much with, with, with Iowa State, at least, um, for it to be an improvement. But I do have Marvin Menzies' uh, contract as well. Five years, $3.75 million. I really like that five years. $100,000 less than what Kevin Kruger got. So now I will answer your question. This is Kevin Kruger's first head coaching job. Marvin Menzies came to UNLV with two prior head coaching jobs. Can anybody verify or make this contract make sense to me? Oh, come on, Terrell. He was a, for, he was a former player. He, was a, he won the Belgian... Uh, That's right. He won the Belgian championship. points in the title game. This guy is the Michael Jordan of Belgian basketball. <laughs> all right. Get the, all right. I, gotta, I can't anymore. I can't anymore. <laughs> he is to Belgian basketball what Allen A.C. Collins is to Ford Broncos. <laughs> Did you just say he's the Michael Jordan of Belgian basketball? Yeah. You go over there and they're like, I don't know what. I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't, it's Kevin Kruger. Here's so here's <laughs> what is wrong with you. So there's plenty of things that are like plenty of questions heading into it into this first year. Um, I think it will help locally because he used to play. I do believe that. However, a lot of people are speaking about his dad. Maybe I just don't get it. What does his dad have to do with it? Aside from, like, the bloodline. Because you get it? Like, his... It's not going to help with recruiting. Because Lon's not here. They're not going to be coached by Lon. They're nine times out of ten not going to meet Lon. So what does it help with? Why do they keep saying Lon's name? And, and let's be honest, no disrespect to Lon. We know Lon's, like, great, but, like... A 17-year-old recruit, like, is he really going to be swayed by, like, oh. Very it's, true. It's Lon's son. Very true. I really hope I, we didn't just get Ryan Saunders. Interesting point. I really hope we didn't just get so lucky. Interesting point. So what do you mean by that? If, for, for a person at home that does not understand what that means. So Ryan Saunders, um, he became a head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Largely based off his father, I believe it was Flip Saunders. Long live Flip. And, and his legacy um, as the coach of the Timberwolves. So, now, you can kind of put two and two together. That was a higher, I don't want to say nepotism, but family ties. Can we say emotional higher at the very least? Yes. Yeah. There was a family, you know, oh. Father coached here. Well, hey, let's see what you like. You know, that's kind of literally passing the book to him. And by the way, the Minnesota Timberwolves are like one of the worst franchises in um, sports history since two thousand three, four, five. Since Kevin Garnett left to Boston, so I think they have one playoff appearance. And this is not something that I want to get into, like yeah, hundred percent right now. 
but since you just mentioned it, I'm going to throw this out there. I got into an argument with somebody because they were talking about um, LeBron of last year, I believe, <clears throat> which clearly won the championship. You know how they have those different generation battles? It was like Steph from 2016, which was like, what, unstoppable Steph. Um, Braun from last year. All these KD from the Warriors' first championship. All, all these different years. LeBron was matched up with 03 Kevin Garnett. Maybe 04 Kevin Garnett. When he was second in MVP voting, but he was the defensive player of the year. Did he win defense? Did he win MVP that year? I believe he did, yes. He might have won MVP that year, actually. So whatever MVP year, everybody was like, oh, Braun is cooking. Braun is cooking. Da, 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 da. I told the person, I was like, I'm not really going to get into it right now, but LeBron is crazy at 35, 36 years old. But that version of Kevin Garnett could oh. play the full 48 minutes. Oh, Kevin Garnett, yeah, people sleep hard on Minnesota Kevin Garnett. I see people that are like, yo, Anthony Davis is better than KG all time. I'm like, oh, what? And I'm, I love AD. I'm like, oh, bro, man. I'm not even like talking from like a Pelicans fan, but like <laughs> Davis better than Garnett. Like, oh, man, it, it's disrespect. I, I, and it's, people were asking me like, well, who wins that battle? Because, of course, for with Kevin Garnett, he had like, oh, five Tim Duncan or he might have had 2000 Tim Duncan. And I was like, dog, I don't give a damn what KD it is. 2000 Kim Dun- Tim Duncan? You have to play defense against that man. And then have to play offense against him. So, I don't know. I'm taking, I'm taking Tim Duncan. And, of course, nobody's going to dominate Shaq. So, the argument kind of came down to, it was like James Harden versus, or Steph versus some Kobe. And I even gave it to Steph. I was like, I'll give you Steph. I don't know if I'm giving you KG. I can't. I just can't. And then what I'm always going to go back to, and this is where I'm going to get off of it, go back to U.S. Type in USA Basketball one-on-ones, Kevin Garnett. That's it. It's like a two-minute video of Kevin Garnett going up and down the court, waxing USA. Cooking your favorite player. Basically. Absolutely. Whether it's Grant Hill, whether it's, uh, whether it's Jason Kidd. And keep in mind, this is a 6'10 power forward. I think Vince and T-Mac. Were Vince, Vince was on there for sure. And I'm talking KG is not going down there backing down hook shot. No, it's KG is getting down there. Has he? Like it's 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 nasty. But um let's go ahead and round out this basketball conversation. You said 15 and 14. That was about where I was. I feel like they best case scenario, they're a game over five hundred next year. Oh no, no. Actually that was that was a joke, dude. They're gonna be like five or six games below five hundred. I was looking at the players that are leaving in the transfer portal. Uh, Tyler Bischoff, I was looking through his Twitter feed. Dude, it's it's gonna be rough here. I seen one tweet. I haven't seen them all. So you want to go ahead and let's let's talk about the roster. Expected roster changes. What do we what do we what do we already know? First of all, and okay, now correct me if I'm wrong. I'm definitely in the stack guy here. Um, their top recruit, and he was born and raised here in Vegas. He and he got arrested for manslaughter. He was a five star. Oh, Zion, Zion Collins. Yeah, and so he's like obviously that's not happening, right? Yeah, he was one of our first five star recruits, and God knows how long. Yeah, that's just typical. I mean, that's just. And then you see what that is. So, there was like four or five, maybe I think there was three or four transfers who entered the transfer portal. I'm looking at them now, and these are the names that I did anticipate before, or the ones that I did know about. uh, Which the four names? I believe it's four names, or did you say three? 
Maybe I, I don't know. I thought I saw three or four or five. I don't know. I was kind of just breezing through and I saw those. And I, like, oh. I might have now. I'm over here scrolling. I feel like I might have uh, passed it. But Isaac Lindsay is one. Donovan Yap is another one. And Jalen Martinez is the other one. That is three. Um, we're, we're still kind of waiting. We anticipate that at the very least, if Bryce Hamilton does not transfer, Bryce Hamilton will try his hand at the next level. Um, a lot of people are saying that. I do know his stock dropped only because of uh, the ankle injury that he suffered. So a lot of people were unsure if his mid-season struggles were due to his injury or due to teams literally stacking up on him and forcing somebody else to beat him. <clears throat> Aside from that, David Jenkins is going to be another question. I think people are going to be interested to see what happens. I do not anticipate David Jenkins staying here. Um, where he goes, I'm unsure. Where he watch goes, him go I'm sure. Watch him average like 28 again. Bro, like, I'm gonna watch him go to Iowa and average 28. Like, I'm telling you, bro. If he goes to Iowa State and he averages 28 a game. Not even 28, just 20. Yeah, yeah, just yeah like, facts. Watch it, bro, watch it. I'm like 40, 50%. <clears throat> Caleb Grill may be another person who actually might go with him. Caleb Grill was an original Iowa State transfer, came with TJ over to UNLV. And then TJ goes to Iowa State. <laughs> so I'm unsure how Caleb feels about it. Because of that, I do not anticipate Caleb Grill to stick around. But while we're saying so quickly that we don't anticipate these people to stick around, I think that is something that Desiree Reed, Francois, and the campus is kind of hoping to bank on. The fact that Kevin Kruger is somebody who would not be a completely new face to the roster. It's somebody that they've already been around for the past two seasons. They've already... Um, uh, I want to say I've had him lead practice before. Um, I'm just kind of interested to see what comes of it at this point. So let me ask you this. Talk to me. So recruits who want to come to Las Vegas and mm-hmm. play for UNLV. These kids are what, 17, 16, 17, 18, making those decisions? 16, right? 17, 18. So Kruger played for UNLV in what, 2007? What it was? 6, 7. That was, what, 14, 15 years ago? So those yes. kids were four or five. Do you think Kevin Kruger had a lasting impact on their lives? you think they were watching the, that game with their dad going, son, Kevin Kruger, you're going to be your coach. No. 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 I'm going to go out on the limb and say no. Exactly. Now, do you think recruits are going to actually give a damn that Kruger played for a team that made the Sweet 16? Probably not. I hope. That I would In say. In 2007? You can't help when you were born. But when you played, you made the, the Sweet 16? Yeah, I mean, I'll give him credit for that. Can you give me... If Pacifica heard me get out of here with, in this first hour with it. Salim, tell me what he averaged in 2007 at UNLV. While Salim looks that up, let's talk about Mbake really quick. Mbake finished his senior year here at UNLV most recently with his most recent season. Um, he's eligible to come back. We, we all know in college sports all the way around. None of these years really count. So Mbake may come back for a fifth year at UNLV, but if he does opt to come back for a fifth year, uh, again, I'm not reporting. I'm kind of just speculating. I'm not sure if Mbake comes back and does that fifth year at UNLV. Yeah, Iowa uh, State is a place I could see. In 2000, the 2006-2007 season, which was his first with UNLV, he averaged 14 a game. Okay. So for what it's worth, exactly. So for what it's worth, I feel like he does have something where people can kind of pull from 
and say, okay, he did something. He does have something that's on paper. He does have some legacy. He has something here. So I would hope that that helps, even if they didn't watch it. Um, Again, more to come of it. I think we'll have a lot more conversations about it. They weren't with him when he was putting up 35 against the Reno Bighorns in that packed Reno stadium. They wasn't with him shooting in the gym. Or Belgium. Oh, they definitely wasn't with him in Belgium. Please. When he was bringing home trophies. Talking plaques. <laughs> if I was him, I'd bring my trophy. With my oh no! I'm every practice. I'm ring, I'm running with my ring. Yeah. Every practice. You guys want one of these? You miss a shot. Go wipe my trophy now. Go clean it. <laughs> we'll have, a, we'll have a cleaning station. Want one of these? Get better at basketball. <laughs> a cleaning station. <laughs> Again, guys, we're wrapping up this first hour. When we get back, we'll talk Sweet Sixteen. We'll, of course, we got to talk March Madness, right? We are in the middle of March, the end of it almost. And then we're gonna wrap this up with some VGK talk. They have a big series coming up with the Colorado Avalanche. Stay tuned, guys. Talk That Talk radio show records live from the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino from the largest super book in the world for over 50 years. Formerly known as the largest hotel in the world for nearly a decade, the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino is located at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Hour two, you know, hour two, and we are going to can keep the conversation with, with college basketball. We aren't talking UNLV anymore, though. We are talking the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. <clears throat> matchups. We have Sweet 16 matchups. So we're going to go by, we're going to go through them. We got to revisit our picks, dude. I picked Illinois to go all the way. They fucking, they got smoked. So Was I didn't actually, I didn't make a bracket this year. So what I did... Oh, so you just picked the winner? No, because remember me, you, and Slim... Okay, bet. Our four favorites? Okay, so cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess what I was going to pull oh. from. Oh, Tyler, we were talking about it actually last week. Uh, the game Iona against in Alabama, it was fixed. Really? Yeah, no, it was fixed. Actually, Had to be. That's why Iona lost. Oh, man. That's his guess. He's he's He had Iona winning it all. <laughs> No, the only reason they lost to Alabama was not because they were a worse basketball team, but because the game was fixed. It's the only thing that makes sense. Right. It's the only thing that makes sense. You just want everybody else to agree with you? No, whether you guys agree or not, it doesn't change the fact that it was fixed. That it was fixed. We could talk all day about the sky being blue or not, but at the end of the day, you know. It's fixed. It's still, it's still fixed. It's still fixed. Well, that's, again, I think even we even said it on Sunday's show that uh, just the – Allure, the allure of Vegas in general. Whenever something happens like that, like we already talked about, it. if the Vegas go tonight, who we're going to get into at the end of this hour would have won it all in year one. It wouldn't matter. Vegas would never be able to live that down, so it would have been a Mickey Mouse championship regardless. Uh, speaking of these Sweet Sixteen matchups, what's the first one that you're looking at right now, Tyler? I see Oregon State against Loyola Chicago. Um, I don't think that Sam would answer the phone right now if I called him anyway because he's probably busy. However, we talked about it on Sunday. And I said, does Oregon State have enough to beat Oklahoma State? And Sam laughed and was like, no. Just the, the answer is no. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. He said, one answer. K. Cunningham. To be fair, we were all wrong on that. We all, we all had... Uh... Oklahoma State win that game. But see, what? 
I, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it. Did I have Oklahoma State? Yeah. Real quick though, I don't want anyone like using that game to justify why Kate Cunning like to like no, to hurt his draft stock at all. Because I mean Ben Simmons, he kind of threw the LS like LSU when they made the tournament. I don't even know if they made it, but I remember he like was like you know acting like he didn't want to be there. Right. And that dude's probably the. I'm not gonna say defensive player of the year, but eh, maybe he's I right there. Yeah, he's right there with Gobert. Him and Gobert. He's up there. Yeah, no, Cade Cunningham is incredible. Any team would be. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to throw a little caveat out. Rockets. I mean, you, you see, like, oh, they look at the stat line. You guys watched the game, I'm sure. We saw the end of it, maybe. I don't know. He had three guys, like, around him, and, like, there was no space. He's the best player on the floor anytime he steps out on there in, in college, at the college level. It reminds level, me sure. of what Lucas said, like, scoring in the NBA is so much easier just because there's so much space. Cade is, like, like... There's so many pictures and stills from that game with just, like, three guys, like, surrounding him, like a box. Like a really evil triangle. (laughs) (laughs) Not an evil triangle. Defensive triangle, Phil Jackson and Kurt Rambis or something. (laughs) So, when we look at... Cole Aldrich. (laughs) said Cole Aldrich. (laughs) When we look at this... This... Sweet 16 matchup. Between Oregon State and who is who are they playing? I'm going Loyola. Loyola, Loyola, Chicago. Loyola, Chicago. Excuse me, I'm over here all over the place. When we look at that game, again, the Pac-12 are just making a run. Right. Loyola's top scorer looks like he works at GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, are you seeing this? I mean, he, would buy, he would give me 30. He somebody would give me a 30 piece. Somebody said he can't even celebrate the win. He's got to drive an 18-wheeler to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> no way that guy's not 45 years old. Dude, imagine. Oh, oh my gosh. Give me the name. We, we, we're we not going to do this to okay. Loyola Chicago. It's going to be 900 for parts and labor. Cameron Crutwig. Crutwig, Crutwig. Crutwig or Crutwig? One Crutwig. of the two. One of the two. Shot the camera, Crutwig. Looking about 950 parts labor. <laughs> so, again, Oregon and Loyola. Oregon State, excuse me, and Loyola. Are you going Loyola too? Um, yeah, because I think it'd be funny. At this point, no. In my, in most brackets, I don't believe most people had Oregon or Loyola Chicago going on to the next round, being in the Sweet 16, let alone going on to the next round. <sighs> Something's telling me Oregon State, man. The bigger story, I think, would be Loyola Chicago, but everything is telling me right now. Which is Oregon funny, State. Loyola's the higher seed. Yeah. So what is this? A versus a twelve? Yeah. A versus a twelve. Correct. A versus what? What's the next one that we have? Uh, I'm looking at Villanova five at Baylor one. I told you guys earlier in the year that I had Baylor winning it all. Um, Baylor's seven point favorites. I should, I should have mentioned the first one. Loyola is six and a half point favorites. Okay. So. Oh yeah. I don't know why I'm yawning, guys. I don't know what just happened. Um. Is that what happened? Okay, so I'm like, why did I just yawn randomly? So I yawned about 35 seconds before you did. <laughs> so Villanova, um, we, we talked about it. Sam talked about it for sure. 
the program, just the history of the program, it Jay Wright has built that program. And I think now we, we're watching it. He, I don't even know what year he's in. Can you triple check that for me just so we can have it? I just associate Jay Wright. With, I mean, Villanova with Jay Wright. Yeah. yeah. Like, he is... I, I do that in the Gillespie brothers. I don't know why, but I just do. He's like, he's to Villanova with like, uh, remember the Verizon man? West yes. of Verizon? Yes. Like, flowist, progressive? Absolutely. But remember, the Verizon man went to Sprint. So does that well, mean yeah, that Jay trainer. Wright is going to Creighton? Flo is solid, though. Yes. Flo is never leaving. Pro- Let me not say never. But we don't think Flo is leaving progressive. Um, so how many years has Jay Wright been at Villanova while you're looking that up? Uh, Jay Wright... 2001 to the present. So, 17 years. Uh, well, I said 17. I'm in 2017. 21 years. Jeez Louise. So, at least 20 years that he's been in Villanova. Um, that's when I realize I'm older. Like, when people say, like, a year, like, 2005 or something, and I'd be like, oh, man, I was 12 years ago. People look at me and be like... Do you guys want to know his head coaching record? Absolutely. Total? Absolutely. 606 and 271. He has a win percentage of 69.1. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Real quick. If Jay Wright coaches 20 more years. <laughs> he's only 59. I would say, yeah, he's not, he looks like he's, like, he's not, old, like, not too old. I said all that, and I'm still going to say that Baylor wins. However, if they were not to win, it would not surprise me, especially with these number one seeds. We very rarely see number one seeds win at all. But... Uh, when we going back to what you mentioned earlier, and um, when we first started talking about this Sweet Sixteen and the NCAA tournament as a whole, you talked about our beginning picks. When we picked our Final Four, it was right before Selection Sunday, uh, literally maybe twenty minutes before they actually picked. And I said I had Texas, Michigan, Baylor, and somebody. And Texas and Michigan ended up being in the same bracket. Even though, like I said, I wanted to go with Michigan. When I see Michigan as the one seed and Texas as a three seed, I said, oh, this is lined up for Texas to come out. Let, let, let Texas, let me go ahead and say Texas is coming out of this bracket. And then Texas didn't make it out the first round. <laughs> so I feel like every time I bet on a Big 12 school, they just let me down. So as much as I think Baylor will win this game, all I'm going to say is Jay Wright. You know how you, you guys- said you feel old with that? Yes. That- Cause I just live in like 2018. Really quick, super quick. I don't want to get on topic. Asante Samuel's son is yeah. declaring for this draft. Does that yes. not make you feel old? Old as hell. I could deal with Patrick. Frank Gore Jr.'s son is, or Frank Gore Jr. is. A college running. Yes, has college highlights that are on ESPN. Wild. So our next matchup, uh, we're looking at 15 Oral Roberts against three Arkansas. I know Oral Roberts. Oral been, Roberts. They've been surprising a lot of people. This is my first time ever hearing about that school. Them and the school called Winthrop. <laughs> I, think Winthrop. Year, I think it's Winthrop. I think it's Winthrop. Winthrop. Every year I hear about a new college because of the March Madness. That's why I love the March Madness. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. He's like, who the hell is Colgate? I was like, bro, you could, like, you could tell me this is a city in like Italy or some shit. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was just about to ask you, where is Oral Roberts? Salim, do not tell him. I look at their, I'm, I'm Don't you do it. No, I no. forgot. We looked this up last show. I, I hope you still can't see it. You forgot? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That looks like a bird. I'm going to say it's like in like, I don't even know, dude. Um, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. I'll tell you what I thought. I'm going to say uh, Minnesota. Interesting. I was going to say Maryland, 
Because whenever I see Oral Roberts, I think about the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles. And that's just where it went. So I went to Maryland. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Damn. (laughs) Do you see how we literally just went that way, that way, and then back down there? With the Colgate team, originally (laughs) I thought that they were, like, sponsored by – and then I realized, oh, yeah, that's not how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Like the same way you thought about Drake University. You was Aubrey? Wait a minute. Like Colgate – I don't know, man. Every time I picture that team, I'm just picturing, like, a big, like – like thing of two you're all smiles <laughs> picturing all white teeth um i do I, fam i like cinderella's oh yeah for sure so i just i, I want to go oral roberts just because I'm who being, they messed up with again i'm being so mature also so they beat ohio state university in the first round and then they beat florida i know this oh, never mind. I'm not gonna go there. wait who are they playing again so they're they're playing Arkansas, yeah. Playing Arkansas. They beat Florida in the last round. In the first round, they beat Ohio State. Is it bad that I just don't want – and I? it's probably not his fault. And, again, I said it on Wednesday, on Sunday, and I'm going to say it again. If I had to cover him, I don't think I would have a problem with him. But I think because of the only interactions that I've – not even me, but interaction that I've seen with him has all been in a rivalry setting, and it's Eric Musselman. I don't have anything against Eric Musselman, but I think it's just we went to UNLV. So just watching Eric Musselman have so much success up at UNR. He's a, like Sam said on Sunday, um, amazing basketball coach. Great basketball coach. Can I, ask you a question? I just think my rivalry bleeds into it. What's up? Did he drop 35 against the Reno Big He did not. Booyah! There we go. Anyway. He is anyway. definitely not the Michael Jordan of Belgian basketball. He's not. Oh, Tyler, uh, last week, or I guess a couple days ago, we were doing the show, and Arkansas beat uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. There was a <clears throat> guy, there was a few Arkansas basketball fans. There was this one guy walking through with a Darren McFadden Arkansas jersey, and he was, like, really pumped. That took place. And I was like, Arkansas! He was like, hell yeah, man! And then I told him Felix Jones had a better pro career. Yeah. Felix Jones had a better pro career than Darren McFadden? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, Terrell, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? It worked, man. It worked at the time. I don't know if he heard me or if he just ignored me. <laughs> but it was. It sounded like a good he thing to like, say. All right. Well, you know. Just... <laughs> it just sounded like a good thing to say in the <laughs> yeah, moment. Right. It, but you know what? When's the? La- I'm not going to talk about college football. But those. That, that's so unfair to have a two-headed college football running back monster in Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. They had two of the best. Running back college careers. Felix Jones is the reason. At least seasons. I'll say that. Super Bowl in 2011. Thanks for fumbling, dude. I appreciate it. You guys think RG3 is going to get the Baylor game? I'm not doing this with you right now. Um, <laughs> who's the next matchup? Uh, okay, so we got Syracuse and Houston. Now, I remember I picked yes. Syracuse in my four. I remember I did. In the yes. final four? You did. They always make it, dude. Like they, And plus, Carmelo's my favorite NBA player of all time. And he All I had them doing was beating, Sy- beating San Diego State, I think. They're all yeah. They're only college titles with Carmelo. So I always every year I always know Syracuse is going to go far. I remember one year they were like the 13 seed and made the Final Four. They that just, was in a loss to North Carolina. They always just make it, dude. They're just an, an, and they're playing Houston, and Houston's just not doing well right now. Not the university itself, but that city. So <laughs> give me Syracuse. Uh, you know what? I was. 
Look at Buddy Bohem. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you, bro. Buddy Buddy Bayheim has Buddy buckets. Did you see? Yeah. Did you see? Did you, Did you see the three? He made the three from about thirty feet out. I didn't see it, but I felt it. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting at home. I'm like, yo. I was. I was. I was. That's yeah. Buddy. He he literally is look. He was looking at the defense. He he pulled a Tyler Hero, and as the defense was walking back, he just said with the calmest of voices, "I'm a bucket." Uh, that's fine. I'm a, I'm a bucket. So are we all going Syracuse on that one? Yep, that's a future yeah, Pelican right there. <laughs> that the means I hope you guys don't ruin them. Um, who oh, else do we have? You said the right, orange so is back. I like it. That's that was Saturday. So for Sunday, we got Creighton at Gonzaga. Creighton. That, oh, that's another Madden list. I've never heard of that program before. I've Sorry heard of it. My... I've heard. I refuse to learn where Creighton is or anything else about it. I don't know where Creighton some is. Kid, yeah, some kid in Creighton right now is just chugging a four loco, screaming, F you, Tyler, sure. <laughs> what is great? Well, this is the greatest. Okay, guys. Tell me where it is. Two, two, okay, guys. Each, you guys each have one guess. Pennsylvania. Where is Creighton University? Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm a, okay, dude, that just sounds like <laughs> some shit in Alaska. <laughs> you guys don't do know that. where it is? I thought we got two guests, so we're, so we're wrong. Um, give me Massachusetts. Okay, I was kidding about. It. I'm gonna give myself two more. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give myself two more. <laughs> no, uh, let me do. Um, I'll say. Uh, I'll say Vermont, and then I'm gonna go like Tennessee. There are private university in Omaha, Nebraska. I would have never guessed. Jesuit Catholic University, bridging health, law, business, and the arts and science for a more just world. This and Kyle Kruger is a delivery driver for. The university. Kevin, yeah, no. Okay. I was gonna say, who is Kyle? Kevin. Well, <laughs> I thought you met somebody else. He's at the grocery store in Nebraska. He forgets his fake name. And That's the witness protection. Hey, aren't you RCI that guy from that, from that from that SVUK? No, no, no. I have no idea what you're talking about. They My name is Kyle. They said Savage. your name was Kevin. They saw you at the park. What's um the next one? What's what's, what's the next one we got? State. We should have two more, right? Uh, three more. We. Three more. Three more. Uh, Florida State and Michigan. Florida State's the four. Michigan's the one. Creighton's the uh, five? Jeez. Yes. I've never even... Damn. So, uh, Florida State can defend. I never... Ante- well, see, I shouldn't say never. You never anticipate a team that is, like, similar to, D- to the Detroit Pistons of uh, 2004... You don't anticipate the team that plays the most defense. They always say defense wins championships. But on a basketball standpoint, stance, in most cases, you do think the team with the most offensive firepower in most cases is going to win at every level in most cases. However, Virginia of two years ago, I think, showed people that you could win with defense. The, I believe, if not the slowest paced teams, one of the slowest paced teams in the country, and they went ahead and won it all. I said all of that to still say I'm not sure that Florida State does it. Terrell, MJ Walker is Florida State's leading scorer. Guess how many points per game he averaged this year? 12.1. Damn, good guess. 12.3. Damn. That was actually really good. Really <laughs> it's a guess, man. It's a guess. I think they only average, They only give up like 50 points a game. 51, 52. It's like, so it's weird. It speaks to like the defense. If they're offense, like that's a total... Like, a hundred percent, all the way, all the way around. Um, Michigan, though, I think this is going to come down to the coaching matchup. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Can you, for uh, Salim, can you give me Florida State's basketball head coach, please? 
I'm blanking on the name and it's about to drive me insane. Um, thank you. Leonard Hamilton. The coach matchup between Leonard Hamilton and Jawan Howard is going to be the thing to watch for me in that game because I think it's going to be that defensive versus offensive battle. Um, Michigan is a team that can shoot the ball. Florida State is a team that won their first tournament game without making a three-point shot. I think this is going to be very, very interesting to watch. That might be one of my favorite games on this particular, uh, in this particular Sweet 16 to watch. What's the next one that we got? So uh, our next one is a bit of a Cinderella. We got 11 UCLA against two Alabama. Like I said before, when UCLA and Michigan State were both playing for that number 11 seed, didn't I mention that these are two-story franchises that do they even count as Cinderella? That's true. Just based off, I was just based off the seeding. Oh, no. I, I know what you're talking about. Just so you know, Sam said because of what we just said about them make Syracuse making as a 13 seed a couple years ago, Sam said the same thing. Sam is not considering Syracuse a Cinderella team. I'm considering them a Cinderella team because of the ACC. Nobody was talking about them. Even in a down year where Ohio's, or excuse me, where uh, North Carolina and Duke are not having uh, great years, I still think people were not talking about Syracuse, and maybe that was their mistake. But going back to this one. <clears throat> Shout out to Drew Holiday. I miss you. <laughs> what is going on right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Shout out, Darren Collison coming to the league if we're just going to shout out <laughs> UCLA products. Um, I, I, I do think as much as it, as it is to say, I do feel that Oregon has something. But UCLA, in my opinion, seems like a team that's playing comfortable basketball. They're they're playing free. They're not thinking about it. I think the fact that them being at such a historic program and being counted out still allows them to play with house money. And I think that that is a dangerous UCLA team. Playing comfortable and playing free, that's the most dangerous team you can run across in any sport. Team with no expectations, team that's just, we're here, so guess what? We're going to make the most of it. We're that's, here for a reason. That's the absolute most uh, dangerous team you can play in any sport. And who are they playing one more time? I don't know why I'm... Yeah, you said Oregon, my bad. Uh, Alabama. They're playing I, Alabama. Okay, the, the I Alabama's said Oregon. So, Bama and UCLA. Again, well, I'm know, talking about UCLA. Shouldn't even be here because of the fix against Iona. And we already know Iona would absolutely handle UCLA. I mean, we know this. Okay, yeah, they will wipe the floor with them. I just learned, actually, within the last 20 minutes that Iona's in New York. Is it really? I always thought it was in, like... Wichita, Iowa. Kansas? Ah, yeah, I figured. Just because of, like... Because it's Iona. Yeah, I was gonna guess Iona. <laughs> yeah, something like that. See? Right, so our last matchup is seven Oregon against six USC. I'm going USC. I I'm just know that, USC. I don't know much about these teams. I just know they got Evan Mobley. Yeah, yeah same answer. Just same, just same answer. Isaiah Mobley also is there. Mobley brothers. Isaiah Mobley. For whatever. No, no, no. I, no, it's two. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's two. two Mobley, it's two Mobleys. I'm going for the Mobley brothers, dude. Let's do it. And the the funny thing is. Ethan Anderson, just a little fun fact, guys. Ethan Anderson, USC point guard, was recruited by Marvin Menzies. I just want to throw that out there. That's it. Wow. That's it. Marvin Menzies also coached Pascal Siakam. That's it. I'm just throwing it out did there. Did he really? He did. I'm wow. just throwing it out there. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But. Looking at you, Kruger. Did you coach Pascal in Belgium? No. 
I have to end this show early. Oh, I'm gonna end this show. Um, so we don't have any more. No more. Uh, no. So based on my picks for the final or for the for my elite eight, can I see really quick? So for my elite eight, the picks that I have, I have Creighton, I have Michigan, I have UCLA, I have USC, I have loyal, I have Oregon State, I have Baylor. I have Arkansas, and I have Syracuse. So, we shall see what comes of it. I'm excited to see what happens, what will happen, I guess, this weekend. Um, trade deadline coming up in the NBA. That's plenty of stuff for us to talk about. But we got about 30 minutes to go. Let's talk about Mark Madness. <laughs> that was a bar. I like that one. Yeah, I, I like that one. That I like that one. That was oh, great. That was that was that was great. All right, so let's talk about him then. You want to start? Do it. The Knights—they're just blowing through people. Leonard's back; he's playing pretty good. Um, giving Flurry some rest. Um, again, we've talked about it though, but this is this is something we need. To, like, this isn't this isn't something that it's like it's exciting to see, yeah. Right. But no, this is like no, like this is business. Like, yeah, you're supposed to be doing this. It, it seems a little expected in the city for sure. Um, I, I did realize something that I did today that was new for me. I haven't done it all season long, but normally I take these notes and I, I always read them off to you guys. Uh, of course, the Vegas go tonight. They have a record of 22-7-1, which is good for first in the West. They have 45 points. This is the first time I've done this all season long, though. I've mentioned that they were first in the West, but I wrote in my, on my notes that they are third in the NHL in points. They're a point behind the New York the New York Islanders with their 46 points. And then, of course, they're five points behind the league leading Tampa Bay Lightning, who very many have as favorites to win it all. Um, how important is it for this team to finish with the league's best record? I'll say it's less important than it is fixing the power play. Mm. So whatever, you know, however you want to divide those points up and percentages on what's more important. If the Knights don't, and they've shown signs the last couple of games of fixing the power play and getting better at it, if they go into the postseason not converting power plays at the rate that that team is very damn well capable of, it'll be another year where we're just like, well, great regular season, but all for what? And if they don't convert on the power play, it's only going to fall on, continue to fall on the shoulders of the goalies like it has in, a, in, in most recent seasons. And I think that's the perfect time to bring up what's sitting in the middle of our table right now. In the middle of our table, we do have our limited edition Mark andre Fleury bobblehead. Once again, that is our limited edition Mark andre Fleury bobblehead. It will be given away a week from today. Okay. I was talking to Salim, trying to figure out when we were going to do this baseball preview, figuring out if we're going to extend the Sunday show or open up um, – the hours on our uh, Wednesday show and if we do do, uh, do that it will be announced on our social media and that raffle will be done at 9pm on Wednesday as opposed to 10pm we will solidify and finalize that on social media but again in order to be entered into this raffle it's very very simple guys all you guys have to do is go to our SoundCloud channel it is in the middle of the table as well on our Westgate Reserve song talk that talk radio show guys that's it Talk That Talk radio show on SoundCloud. Follow, subscribe, 
do whatever you need to do. Click the little notification, the little bell. So that way, you know, whenever we drop our or we upload our shows, one of our followers will be randomly picked. And this will go home with them. Sound good? Love it. Sounds good. I'm excited. I'm geeked. And then once that raffle is done, I think me and Kobe can get back to some giveaways. I think we have, what, plenty of shirts to give away still. Oh, yeah. We have, you have your shirt on right now. You have one of them on right now. You have on your Westgate Super Contest shirt right now. Uh, I believe I wore my, uh, one of my variations of the shirts last last uh, show on Sunday. Team, good teams win, great teams cover. Absolutely. It was it was the good teams win, great teams cover. Um, it reminded me of the Nipsey uh, Victory Lap logo. And it was it was perfect for me. It was perfect for me. So <clears throat> let's hop back into this. Mar- we talked about Nip. So let's talk about this marathon that the, that the Knights are on right now. We have this thing where we break down games that have happened. Now I feel like it's important that we break down games that are upcoming. Colorado series coming up that massive. Why is it massive? Colorado, they're two points behind uh, Vegas in the standings. It's at, Vegas at 45 and Colorado's at 43. Um, I'm pretty sure. No, you're absolutely right. They're 28 and 3. Well, in case you guys are unfamiliar with what I mean, they're 28 and 3. Oh, okay. So, there we go. And they're at 40, they got 43 points. Uh, Vegas has 45. Um, mm-hmm. I know Vegas slipped on at the uh, Tahoe on ice game against Colorado. Um, so these are points that they need to make back. Um, Vegas is, they've done a great job taking care of teams that they're supposed to take care of. Um, yes, but I, there was that hiccup against the Kings uh, over the weekend. But, um, but yeah, uh, they, this is a huge series. Amidst the changes, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, this is a big game that uh, they need, or a big series. And if they can take some points away here, then I'd, we'd feel a lot more comfortable about the one seed going, like, about their seedings going into the playoffs. So yeah, man, uh, it's it's a big series. Uh, it's in Colorado. Um, that's important to take note. And uh, yeah, I have some numbers on that too. Since you mentioned that, let's go ahead and talk about these numbers real quick. You said it is happening in Colorado <clears throat> at Ball Arena, and the reason why Tyler brought that up is because now is the time where you can kind of start looking at trends and you can look at okay, how is this team performing against teams above five hundred, teams sub five hundred, things of that nature. Let's talk about some home records. Let's do it. The Golden Knights are 13-2-1 at T-Mobile. The bad news is that they're playing away from T-Mobile. Where Colorado has a 12-4-1 record. So both teams are amazing at home. However, the Golden Knights are 9-5 on the road. If this continues to follow the trend that this season has so far, four games in, the series is split 2-2. Now, you came in. Now, you came in uh, a couple weeks ago, and we talked about the losses to Colorado. And you were mentioning how the team... I think you actually just said it, how the team beats the teams that they are expected to beat. And they don't, have, don't seem to have a problem with them. 
However, the gains that the team needs and will need in the future, um, they have hiccups in. In talking about that, I highlighted the two losses came by one goal and the two wins were in shutout fashion. Let's just say, because actually I did take place a month ago. So a month later, how do you assess those four games? Both teams are still, like you just said, both teams are still one and two in the West Division. So now that they're a month later, or that we're a month later from those games, a month removed from those games, did we overreact? Did we react just on time? What did what, what did we do? Um, I'd say it was a fair reaction uh, because it was pretty clear coming into the season that Colorado was um, one of the heavy heavy hitter favorites, and. Vegas would need to take care of them, and um, they're one of their, if not the toughest matchup for us um, this season specifically because we're only playing teams in the West Division. So, I, uh, I'd say it was a pretty fair reaction because, like, yeah, those are games you want to win, but the game, like, the losses were close losses. They fought hard in the losses. Right. And that's really all you can ask for to be competitive. Now, if we were Col- we were talking about Colorado. We were trying to like we were talking in favor of them, saying this is like. We were in Colorado doing the show. Right. Then it'd be more concerning. Like, oh yeah, we barely got by Vegas, and then when they beat us, it was done. It was a shutout. So, it's a fair reaction on Vegas' side, and then for Colorado, I would say it's a little more alarming that. Mm. But a win's a win. So true. But when you when you're squeaking by teams, I mean, I know we love to to cross sports here, but we one of the most staggering stats that I saw last year. Well, earlier this year in the postseason, was Lamar Jackson's record against the NFL, and then Lamar Jackson's record against Kansas City. Lamar Jackson is amazing against everybody except for Kansas City. Yeah, everyone. I mean, Tom Brady's amazing against the entire NFL except for Denver. I think Denver's the only team he has like a five hundred record against. And Miami, in Miami. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's it. Just yeah. oh, it has to be in Miami. Though. It has to be in Miami. So, yeah, there it goes. <laughs> in, 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 in a game that they need. In a game where they need. It's never in New England. Never. <laughs> and never when you guys need it. Um, so I say that to say when you mentioned the fact that it could be like alarming for them, I think that it could be even more than alarming. I think it could be disheartening because, like you just said, when you win, yes, a win is a win. But we barely squeak. But even when they have bad games, they hang with us. So that has to mean something. That has to creep into your psyche at some point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. If it creeps into your psyche, I'm not really sure how you respond to it. Like, you can only go out and play. But as a coach, I don't know why we're trying to put ourselves into the Colorado locker room right now. But I'm wondering, as a coach, how does that... How does that conversation go more so? Where does it even start? Probably with extra motivation. Um, you know, if I were the coach, I'd tell you. And the players know, too. Like, this is probably the, tough, this is the toughest guys we're going to play all year. Okay. You better, you better, you better freaking bring it. So you're, you're 
hoping to wake your team up by saying that we're playing the best team in the league. Yeah, and I'd probably use those losses as like, look, we've barely squeaked by these guys, and they've shut us out. We need to return the favor. We need to shut them out. We need to, you know, we need to bring it to them. And I think that's just something that the Knights, and maybe this is just another Colorado issue, but the Knights, Alex said it before, and I think you might have actually said it in, in addition, they're not going to shock anybody anymore. If I were Colorado specifically for these games, I would attack. Um, I don't know if Pacioretty's playing or not. If he's not playing, you go after. That's that's where you attack. You go after his replacement for sure. Yeah. And I think this is just a, a separate story, but we talked about the the, uh, the two-game series with the Kings. I'm not even going to get into William Carlson and positive, negative, false tests. Because me, me, Salim, and Sam kind of broke it down last week, and we talked about it. Ever since Nick Saban tested positive for COVID and then didn't test positive for COVID, it seems like all of the sports world just stopped ignoring let me just stop paying attention to COVID tests. Except Kevin Stefanski, for whatever reason it was. It seems like everybody else has been able to test positive and then test negative by halftime and come back and play. <laughs> so I don't really know what to expect or take away from that. So, again, but the Golden Knights, you just kind of mentioned it already. The Golden Knights have already, from Robin Leonard to Max Pacioretty to uh, William Carlson, they've already had some people in and out of the lineups already anyway. So, uh, Keegan Colasar just recently scored his first goal of his career. Shout out to him. Um, yeah, man, just a lot to kind of just, just, just speak about. But it is a two-game series against Colorado. What are you anticipating? What's your expectation? Yeah, obviously, you want to come away with the sweep, but I'm curious to see, first off, how, um, how Leonard plays. Um, he's looked pretty decent so far. I think he's allowed two or three goals average on the games he's played. Um, I'm curious to see how that goes. If Pat Reddy doesn't play, I want to see who steps up in his place on the wing. Um, I like that. I, I like, that's something I want to see. And um, you want to see strong performances from Leonard, but also from Fleury. Fleury's had a couple of rough games stretch, uh, a couple of rough games in a row. Gave up four goals to the. Uh, it was before the Kings. It might have been the Kings actually. I want to say the Kings. Like, gave up four goals to the Kings in the game before that. Gave up. Was that St. Louis? Maybe it was to the Sharks, actually. I think he gave up a lot of goals to the Sharks. That was the Sharks. Or Saint, I don't know. But anyways, Flurry. Uh, we, ha- we have these three games in order. We j- I mean, we have these three games, right? Three series, right, I should say. We think we, may have, we think we may have the order wrong, but the series are right. But Flurry gets a pass. He's balled out this season. He's won the Knights more than half their games that they shouldn't had no business winning because yeah, the offense definitely. wasn't there. So Flurry belled them out. So... It's okay, but uh, we'd like to see Flurry get back to the Flurry that we had for the first, or actually for like the last two months while Leonard was out. And for Leonard, uh, start getting some consistency, get his feet back under him. Uh, you want, you'd like to see the young guys like uh, Coglin and Colsar keep their consistency up, keep it going. Uh, I just love hearing people that cover a beat talk about the beat because, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm over here thinking about the two or three things that I want to see from this one. I anticipate a, a split. I do. Um, I anticipate a split only because I do. I would assume that Colorado gets the first one. That Colorado gets the first one simply because of what you said. We're playing the best team perhaps in the league. They shut us out two times. We barely squeak past them two times. I think they get the first one, and then I think that the, the Knights kind of 
I do think the Knights are, if not the best team in the league, one of the top two in this league. So I do believe that they round it out and, and round back into form by the second game. But uh, Keegan Colasar was going to be the, the, the thing that I wanted to see in addition to, of course, the goalies. Um, Robin Leonard has been dealing with some other stuff, so I'm not even sure, like you just said, what I would like to see from Robin Leonard. We're not going to anticipate that we're going to see shutouts, that we're going to even see a one one goal given up. But like you just said, we want to see consistency. Like For, for lack of a better term, we know this isn't basketball or football, but we want to see him get his legs under him. We want to see him uh, show fluidity between the pipes, if, if nothing else. If nothing else, we want him to see to be comfortable. Um, I hate to say it, but even if that comes in a losing effort, I think it may do more in the long run, If it, even if it does come in a losing effort. If the Golden Knights lose both of these games and slip to second in the West, how much panic takes over the Valley? Very little. I think – I can't speak for Vegas as a whole, but I think for sports Yes, you can. Well, okay. I, I think for sports fans in general, I think the – Last season and this season, you get a pass for certain things because of COVID. Okay. And because of the restrictions, because of the constant testing. And so we shouldn't get on players who, one, attract COVID, but two, are going through slumps because mental health and professional athletes is probably at an all-time low. In 2020, it was probably definitely at an all-time low. Absolutely. With everything that was happening between shit that was happening in the nation. Um versus COVID itself. Right. Um, all the uncertainty, all the and all the hate that was going around. There was a, just last year was really shitty and I still think there's guys who haven't gotten over it and there and no one should you know, there's some things that happened last year you're not just gonna get over. That's what's gonna stick with you. So Especially when a lot of it is still continuing. Exactly. So my opinion, if you dropped if you get swept by Colorado, it's not the end of the world, man. I feel like a lot of people have kind of started taking that you know, it started to take that that attitude of, you know, there's bigger things than sports. But for this conversation, um, now I like the fact that you went there though, just for what for for the record. Exactly. But for this conversation, uh, for the sake of, uh, let's not panic. Um, I know. I think we're at the what approaching the three quarter mark of the season. Yes, I believe so. Um, actually, I think we're more closer to halfway. I was right? say that. I think but, they said that we reached halfway. Okay. Okay, so um, I got a, a notification from ESPN talking about look at let's look at the NHL at the halfway point or the midway point or something like okay, that. Okay. And that's why I was like, oh, oh, okay, good to know, halfway there. Um, so let's not panic because after these two games, we'll have two more. Yes, against Colorado, I believe we only play four and you play each team in your division eight times. So uh, no need for too much panic. The only reason I panic is if someone gets hurt. That's where mm. the panic comes in. So, say Leonard gets hurt or Fleury gets hurt, then you can panic all we want because... Is there a way that they can lose that maybe you panic? Mm. Like, if they get shut out 5 nothing in the first game. If they get outscored, like, 11-2 to in these two games. So, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, if the, if the heart's not there, mm. that's something I'd pay attention to. Because last year when the coaching change happened... Toward the end of Gallant's uh, run, there was no heart. There was no passion. They were just yeah. kind of breezing, but getting through. There wasn't fight. I think that's what the I'm discussing crossing sports might not be a good comparison. I think that's what the this Boston. What we do. That's what I think. That's what the Boston Celtics are going through right now. You watch their games; they don't give a shit. 
Jay, the Jay, no offense to the Jays, but what have you guys accomplished? How come you can walk back on defense and just bitch at the rest the entire time while you're young? I, I, I love the Jays, and my brother's a huge Celtics fan, but when I watch this team, there's no fight. They're just, these guys just let themselves get into the, I don't know if it's because Marcus Smart's been out, right. Kemba's been hurt, but it's just it's hard to watch. How or if they feel like the league has figured out Brad Stevens, whatever the case may be. Exactly. But again, guys, like Tyler just said, we are emerging sports. Yes, that is something that we do here. Yeah. But if you are familiar with both sports, I think that really should tell you a lot about what Tyler is paying attention to. So we've talked about it before in terms of just Pete DeBoer and his handle on this team. And I feel like a lot of it is spirited. A lot of it is just spirited effort. So, like you said, I think if they do come out in there and you leave even a game, even I guess it, the conversation becomes a little bit quieter if they have that game where they stink it up in the first one but they bounce back in the second one. However, I think if we leave either one of these games, truthfully speaking, with a question of heart, I'm with you. I think that that could be the worst outcome as opposed to just losing two games. And I don't see how that would happen because in their last game, they were down 3-1, and they came out and scored four or five goals in the third period. That And it's not the first time this season. Yeah, exactly. Like, this Knights team, I've watched them this year, and it's like halfway through the second, you're like, man, what the hell? They're down, you know, like, where's the energy? All of a sudden, scoring barrage, the guys are the bench is fired up. Right. The player, Stone's fired up. And at times last year, I don't think we saw that right. with Gallant. And, yeah, there's games this year where you're like, oh, I don't see them coming back. And all of a sudden, they just rattle off four straight, and they're on fire. And the other team shook. Like, you're, you look at them, and they're like, dude, what the hell? How did they, they just... Could they be sleepwalking? Vegas? Yeah. I don't know. That's a... I don't... If so, that's not a... I don't know if that's a good thing. Because the Clippers slept... The Clippers slept walk all last year, and then they couldn't cut it on when they needed to. I don't think they're sleepwalking. If they were sleepwalking, the games that you're that what I'm talking about, where they're down three one, they lose. They don't come back and win those ones. But what I'm saying is, you can't allow yourself to get down three one in the postseason. Because that, that's also true. That's that, also true. That comeback effort is not. The game moves a lot slower. Every sport, come postseason time, the game moves a lot slower because every possession at bat swing of the tennis racket when you get into tournament play, it's a little different. I'll say this. I think there's accountability, though. With Pete DeBoer. Mm, say more. On the post-game interviews, when in those games that are ugly, like, usually the Knights have been a, a pretty ugly second-period team this year. Yeah, Like, most of the first period. Third period, yes. they're on fire. But, like, those first... Alex loves ugly. bringing that up in her stories, too. The... At least Pete DeBoer takes credit for that. And he's like, that's a coaching thing. And that's, that's on me. The guys, you know, and so... Obviously, you want to get that fixed, and that those are kinks you want to get worked out toward the second half of the season. I'm sure they will. I think I really, I truly think they will, um, because you see it. The players want us. They the players want this. They want that championship. We'll see if they get it. We'll see if they get it. Um, my dad told me that he couldn't find a very very good tip in, so he doesn't want to force it. So he did not send anything today. Um, anything I'm missing, Celine? Did I miss anything? Tyler, do I miss anything? Uh, no, we're going to wrap it up with some deadline talk. Yes. So we have 10 minutes left, and that's what I was hoping to wrap this up with, too. So we got 10 minutes left. Oh, 
there's so much we can do. Not even 12 hours. What is that? Is that 15? I'm trying to think about the East Coast. So once it hits midnight, it'll be 12. So about to be 12 hours removed from, uh, or 12 hours out from the trade deadline. The biggest story that I think coming out of the NBA tonight is did Kyle Lowry play his last game in Toronto? Or with Toronto, I'll say. Oh man, I love being wrong. So I'll say, uh, <laughs> nah. Um, I'll say, I'll say yes. He's the group. It kind of seems like the when you want a nine-game losing streak. What? I'm serious. If you're, um, if you're Masai, you Ujiri Masai. I don't know how to say his first name. Masai Ujiri. Well, okay. I'm sorry. Masai no, Ujiri. Okay. Yeah. Um, with all the Perfect. incredibly like ballsy moves you made to win a championship. Mm-hmm. You're looking at this roster right now. They just went during a nine-game losing. They just gave the Houston Rockets their first win in 21 tries. Yes. Why? Why do you want to have Kyle Lowry on this team going forward? I, I understand the emotional leader he's been. He's the greatest Raptor ever. He has worn that city on his heart. Has played his played his ass off for them. But at a certain point, the business side takes over. What you need? He needs to be traded. And I think Kyle knows that too. It's run its course. They got they won a championship. It's not like they won a championship. This would be a very different conversation. They won a championship, but they won a championship. Right. Um, Kyle's done everything for them, and Kyle is in the twilight of his career where he can still be a very good player that can help contribute to a championship team. For what it's worth, I know a lot of people like to NBA Twitter sounds crazy sometimes but they like to talk about these nba players that they just like to deem as scrubs kyle lowry got deemed as a scrub a couple of years ago and i think people realized that felt like he was a scrub because of his stat line sometimes kyle lowry's game is not the most pretty to watch by no means um kyle lowry and i think this is what a lot of people will speak to his credit i think a lot of teammates will say that kyle lowry is one of the smartest basketball players they've ever been around And I think you had mentioned the team when we first walked in and you asked Salim about it. And I was just listening to you guys go back and forth. And you said if he goes to Philly, is that enough to overtake Brooklyn? I don't even know if I want to answer that question. I just wanted to present it. Uh, Yeah, uh, I think it's impossible to answer. Either way, you can make convincing cases both ways. I'll say this. I think Kyle Lowry ends up in Philly tomorrow. I'll say that. He's from Philly, yeah, so he's from Philly. I, I'm rooting for a Philly return. Absolutely, I'm rooting for a Philly return in in that regard. Um, let's stay with Toronto really quick. How upset do you think that Mas- that Masai Ujiri is that he did not trade Pascal Siaka for Paul George? Was that a thing? Kawhi Leonard would have stayed if he could have finessed uh, Kawhi, or if he could have finessed Paul George from the Clippers. I mean, excuse me, from the Thunder, but the Thunder, of course, that that brilliant front office, they wanted Pascal Siakam. And that was the one moving piece that Masai would not come off of. I bet they regret that more than Denver does, not letting Jamal Murray go for James Harden. I'm serious. Jamal I don't Murray's a laugh, player, man. Yeah, I don't want to laugh. How the hell do you, you take James get Harden James. down for Jamal Murray? Like, how the... I'm sorry, but... <laughs> I guess you're banking on the future. Jokic and Arden? Oh, my gosh. That's, that wouldn't even be fair. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Celine, let's talk about your school real quick. Oh, I said your school. Let's talk about your 
your team real quick. Let's end it up, man. Miami. Who do you guys need? Who do we need? Jesus. Norman Powell would be nice. That'd be a hell of a pickup. Oh. But how many 3 and D guys do you have? You have Avery Bradley and you don't use him. He's not. Uh, he's been hurt. You go and get Trevor Ariza. You have Andre Iguodala. You have Casey. O- Is it Opala? Okpala. I mean. Okpala. Casey Opala, excuse me. No disrespect to Iggy, but. He's older. Yeah. He's. He's long in the tooth is a nice way to put it. Long Trevor Ariza, he just got here. He hasn't looked good at all. Granted, he hasn't played this season. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, KZ, I really like KZ, but, I mean, a lot of the times you, you just can't put him out there. Like, defensively, I mean, Jesus Christ. He's still a project. Him. Yeah, he's still a project. So, Norm Powell would be great. Especially because Avery Bradley's still coming off his injury. They're probably going to get LaMarcus Aldridge off a buyout, I think. Interesting. I read that, yeah. People are, I was talking about this uh, with Tyler. Uh, people are very down on Harrell right now. Because he's had like a... I'm so against that. Because he, he got hurt, and then he had the, the COVID protocol. It's been a weird year. Right. People are already... The guy just turned 21, like less than... A, Two months ago? Oh, my bad. I think you talked about I, I, was, I thought you were talking about Montrez Hero, <laughs> too. No, you said Tyler Hero. Okay, Tyler Hero. Hero. I was about to say, how did we get to my to the Lakers again? Yeah, but I was, I was rolling. No, I was my rolling. Bad, my bad. Tyler Hero. Yeah, people are very down on him. The guy just turned 21. Right. But um, Miami is not going to part with him just because he's had a bad month and a half. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, for what it's worth, you said you wouldn't have done it. You see what Chris Paul is doing in uh, Phoenix right now. I said that the... Miami Heat, in my opinion, were the favorites to go land Chris Paul. Yeah, no, I... Do you regret that? No, not really. Interesting. Just because of the fact that I love Chris Paul. He's 36 years old. I... Look, it's, it's the same thing with Kyle Lowry situation almost. To an extent. I love Kyle Lowry. We're not winning a title this year with or without him. Interesting. And no disrespect to that run last year was great, but... The bubble. The bubble less so than, like, look at Brooklyn right now. The Bucks seem to have figured it out, at least Philadelphia right is, has looked like world beaters the all six, year long. Like, it's different. It's not necessarily the bubble. It's just that the competition has gotten better. That's I like that. That's a, that's a good point. I like so, that. Yeah, so, yeah, Tyler see. Harrell looked not great for the past month and a half, two months. Yeah, he just turned 21 years old. When he's 24 years old and is probably going to be really effing good and you didn't get a title because you had to go get Kyle Lowry. And don't get me wrong, I love Kyle Lowry. I think I'm. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I go out there. On- I think that championship for sure solidified. So, yeah. Made enough all-star teams, played on the international teams. To be short-sighted and just say, yeah, you know, just give up. Okay, Duncan Robinson, yeah, because he's 27 years old. He's going to be an RFA this year anyway. No. So right. I, I think, I, well, we got to wrap this up. We yeah. only got like two minutes left, right, but right. I, I do think that Chicago. I anticipate Chicago to be big players at the trade deadline, only because they're middle with a pack team, and I think that they are a team that people are not really expecting to move much, and all they need is one or two decent pieces. Yes, decent pieces just to be in the postseason, and we already know how the East works. You get a good drawing, and you can you 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 can get a first round. Uh, 
winning series. This morning I heard Woj say that uh, they're heavily in the running for Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I've heard a lot of Do I want that? I don't know that I want that. Lonzo's been very good. Uh, Absolutely. I don't know that I want that. I have Kobe White and Zach Levine. I don't know that I want that. I think Kobe White's a bit overrated. Well, they're talking about right I now. I don't think he is even near his peak, though. I think he, he has a lot higher to go. Woj said Kobe White. the yeah. two were That's right. talking about Laurie Markkinen and Lonzo. I'd rather have Lori. I'd rather have Lori. Lonzo? I want Chicago? Right now. Still. Only reason why is because I, I look at... Back here? It, but see, I look at I look at their talent, and I, I didn't think we were going to end on Chicago, but let's do it. Um, I look at Lori's talent, or excuse me, I look at the collective talent on Chicago's team, and I think of maybe maybe Lonzo is that person. That maybe you look at one person that can kind of bring everybody together. Wendell Carter Jr. hasn't played to expectations, I'll say. Um, Thaddeus Young, we already knew what that was as an ex I mean, as a as an ex pacer, I knew what they were getting into. I said, "Oh, but that is just going to rob them for a couple of years," because that contract was not. That was eerily reminiscent of when Nick Batum signed his deal. He's been really good. That that is no, been a baller. Absolutely, but that contract. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even better, in a year like this, I'm absolutely sending that young somewhere. Mm. I'm one million percent sending that young somewhere because you're not going to be a part of my growth process in terms of what I'm doing with this team. But he's played well enough to where a team that Miami, if you strike out on everybody else, if you don't get a Trevor Ariza, maybe you settle for it that young. Boston wants to salvage anything. They need to be on the phone with Sacramento for Harrison Barnes or Chicago for that young. For that young. Yeah. So, and that young has playoff experience, deep playoff experience with the Pacers and the Sixers. Yeah, and the Sixers. So, there's plenty of other names to think about out there, guys. What do we have? We got Andre Drummond. We have Kevin Love. We got LaMarcus Aldridge still out there. Um, Aaron Gordon Michael Carter-Williams is for sure getting traded Um, John Collins uh, De'Aaron Fox Nobody's really talking about it But De'Aaron Fox, we'll see what happens if they move him Um, Yeah man So much to think about So much to anticipate So much to wait for I said we were ending the show early and of course we didn't That's just (laughs) the way it goes here But VGK has the biggest series probably of their season coming up next because it's next on their schedule. And, of course, these two games with Colorado will take place beginning tomorrow. Until Sunday, guys.